today we're kind of in a bit of an in-between stage. We've just finished a series. We got Vision Sunday next week. Um, And so today, like, I'm I'm really happy because I've been thinking about something for a few weeks, and this is the perfect opportunity to share it. And and what I want to share about today is I want to share about endurance. I want to share about endurance. I've got a a nine-month-year-old daughter, and um, she's got these, like, little nippy hands, like, kind of like little, like, crab hands. And you sort of leave something in front of her, and she just grabs it straight away. And, and lately her favourite thing to grab is my chronic leg hairs. <laughs> like, you wouldn't believe it. I've got hair on my legs, hair on my arms, but none on my head. I don't know how that works. So I need to take that up with God. But she, uh, she like grabs onto my leg hairs and yanks them. And I've been enduring that all week. So I've got a, I've got a bit of inspiration for today. But um, no, but really, I've been reflecting on this idea of endurance. I've been reflecting on this idea of endurance, and the more I've like thought about it, the more I've like um, come come to the conclusion that it's such an admirable quality. Like to watch someone endure, to watch someone persevere, to watch someone like go through hard times and keep on going, to watch someone get knocked down and get back up. There's something gritty. There's something deep. There's something wholesome about endurance. And as I was thinking about endurance and what does it actually look like, I thought about a few different stories. I I thought about the story of a man named John Stephen Aquari. He He was an Olympic marathon runner from Tanzania. And he competed in the 1968 Mexico Olympic Games, and, and he would have trained years and years, probably his whole life for that moment. And, and obviously that was such a huge thing to go over to, to those games, and he, he went over there, and um, already early on in the race, he was suffering from cramps. Like he was already, like his body was cramping up, he had never trained at such an altitude. In fact, like the conditions were so tough that 75 people started that race, and only 57 finished, but he was persevering, he was pushing on, and at the 19k mark, people were sort of jockeying for position, they were hustling for position, they were trying to get ahead, and he got bumped, and he fell over, and he had a horrible fall, he landed on his knee, he wounded his knee, in fact, the fall was so bad that he dislocated his knee, he landed on his shoulder, and and everyone thought that he would give up, that he would stay down, but to everyone's surprise, this man got back up. He got back up and he kept on running and he limped and he hobbled and and he came across that finish line over an hour and 15 minutes after the first person finished. The sun was set, pretty much everyone had vacated the stadium, but this man hobbled over the line, he pushed through the pain, he pushed through the crippling disappointment, he pushed through the conditions, he pushed through the adversity and he finished his race. And uh, after the race, the person interviewing him said this, they said, "Um, why didn't you just pull out? Why didn't you give up? You would have known that you had no chance of winning. And, uh, and he replied, he said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to begin the race. It sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I reflected on that and I thought, man, isn't that so beautiful? Like, isn't that so admirable? Isn't that so inspirational? There's something gritty about endurance. There's something wholesome about it. And, and I was thinking about a story in the Bible. I thought about the story of Joseph. And uh, if anyone knows the story of Joseph, at the age of 17, he would have this amazing dream, this incredible dream, a God-given dream of, of one day being a great leader, of being someone that people would follow. And, and in the dream, like he would see that his brothers would serve him, and perhaps naively, he would go and tell his brothers that, that one day you guys are going to serve me. And, um, and they, were, they were filled with envy, they were filled with jealousy, and they would make a plot to, to capture Joseph and to... Um, 
and to betray him, and they would, they would seize him in the field one day, and they'd throw him in a pit, and, and he would be picked up by slave traders and shipped away to a foreign country. He'd be betrayed by his own family. He would be stripped of everything he had, and you can imagine the grief. You can imagine the heartbreak. You can imagine the loss. You can imagine the, the sense of disappointment, the sense of injustice, and, and you would think that he would be in his own rights to, to give up to check out, but it says that he conducted himself under, the, under his slave master's care with like a level of excellence, with a level of integrity, that, that everything that he put his hand to prospered, that it was clear that God was in his life, and, and eventually he found favor with the slave master, and he would, govern, uh, he would govern the entire property of the slave master, and just when things were looking good, a false accusation would be made against him, a, a complete lie would be made against him, and again, he would be stripped of everything he had. He would be thrown into an Egyptian prison, and, and some people believe he was in there for about 12 years, and you can imagine like how broken he would have been. He had, he had already been betrayed, he had already been stripped of everything, he had worked hard and, and found some sort of like solitude, and he'd be stripped of everything again completely unfairly. Um, but you know, he didn't get bitter, he got better. And in, the, in the prison, uh, it says again that he would conduct himself with a level of like integrity, with a level of excellence that he would eventually find favor with the prison warden and he would rule over the entire prison. And at the right time, like God would deliver him out of that prison, he would stand before Pharaoh and he would solve a problem that no one else in the land would solve and he would be appointed to be prime minister of Egypt. And he would inherit that promise that was spoken over his life all those years ago, but he would push through adversity, he would push through heartbreak, he would push through like troubled times, and he would claim that promise, and I just was thinking about the story, I'm like, man, isn't that so beautiful? Like, isn't there a depth there? Isn't that something like inspirational? And, and you, even, you don't have to go far to admire endurance. I was thinking about someone in our own community. I was thinking about the, the beautiful Lisa Preston, um, she's, she's lived, lived many years of her life with a, with a really serious health condition, with a, you know, with a, with a chronic illness, and, and she's endured that. She's pushed through that like it would be so easy to check out, to give up, to, to lose hope in God, but she has pushed through, and she's actually used her life to bless the people around her. She's spoken into people's lives who, who are going through hard times. She opens up her home to run small groups. She's a mother figure to so many people in this church. Like You'll see her in the front row praising God every Sunday. You'll see her remaining faithful. You'll see her remaining thankful. You'll see her with her head up despite extremely trying circumstances. And you know what? There's something beautiful about that. There's something inspirational about that. There's something wholesome about that. There's something beautiful about endurance. And I really believe that God wants us all to be marked by this quality of endurance. God wants us to be people of endurance. But the thing is, um, the need to endure, the need to persevere, like in our current cultural climate, we're like falling further and further away from that. We live in an instant world. We live in a, in a now world, we live in a world like that's right at the tip of our fingers, you know, if you, if you want to check some information or maybe fact check that, that dodgy friend that, that claims weird facts, you can get on Google straight away. Um, you know, if you, if you want to get in contact with someone, you send them a message and, and it's right there and if you're anything like me, you like want them to reply straight away. If you, if you want to get somewhere, you jump in your car and you get there, you can catch an Uber, you can catch a taxi, you can catch a bus, you can catch a train, like you can catch a flight, maybe not overseas at the moment, but you can 
get things as soon as you want. Even if you want to go shopping, you don't even have to go to the store anymore. You can get on Google and you, you, you look up your, your shopping item and you, you buy it from your computer. So we live in like an instant now world and I'm like, I'm all for these technological advances. I love them. But the thing is, if we take that cultural norm and we put it into our relationship with God, we're going to be very disappointed. We're going to be very dejected. We're going to be very, very confused because nothing with God happens instantly. You know, every time in the Bible where it says, and suddenly a miracle happened, if you go and check the context, someone's probably been enduring for about 20 years before that happened. You know, there's like every, every like character of faith in the Bible, everyone admirable, they show this quality of like enduring, of persevering, of remaining faithful, of getting knocked down and getting back up and then they claim their promise and then they received what was promised to them and like we need to be people of endurance if we want to claim the promises that God has spoken over each of our lives. This is what the author of Hebrews would say to, to a Hebrew church who, who had received the message of Jesus um, they had received that message, but now they were facing these intense times of persecution. persecution. This is what he would say in Hebrews 10.36. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Notice how it says, then you will receive all that he has promised. The, the promise pretty much always comes after the patient endurance. We need to patiently endure. And, and that word endurance in the Greek, it means to bear up courageously, to, to stand strong in the face of adversity, that it's like a, it's a word that communicates depth. And, and like I really believe that every person in this room, no matter where you're at, that there are significant promises over your life, that God has a unique plan for your life, that there are promises accessible to all of us and God wants us to inherit them. But so often when, like, when, the time get, when times get tough, so often when the pressure comes on, so often when um, like the temperature gets turned up, we can, we can draw back. Like we can take a step back, we can, we can check out, we can, we can lose hope, we can lose heart, we can, we can bail it, and we, we rob ourselves of, being a, be, of inheriting those promises that are spoken over us. You know, and I know that God's got an amazing life for everyone in this room, for me included. And like I, I, I believe he wants us to, to claim those promises. So we really need to have this thing called endurance. And so today I want to talk about four things that we can do to endure well. The first thing is this. We need to be aware that trials are going to come our way. Trials are going to come your way. Hard times are going to come your way. Adversity, you're great, you're happy you came to church this morning, eh? <laughs> um, adversity is going to come your way. This is what it says in John 16, 33. I have told you all this. This is Jesus talking to his um, followers or his disciples. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, in this life, we are going to face trials. In this life, we're going to face tribulations. In this life, we're, we're going to face things. Things are going to get in our way. They, they are going to happen. And if, we, if we're not aware of that, we're going to be very disappointed. We're going to be very confused when life gets a bit tough. We're going we're to be really dumbfounded if we're not prepared for the fact that there are going to be trials along the way. And this is something I've experienced in my own life. Like I, when, when I became a, a follower of Jesus, I had this, this false idea that everything in my life was going to be this 
beautiful bed of roses, that, that it was just going to be perfect, that, that, that it was going to be all about blessing and favor. And, and there's an element of truth to that, but the, the actual truth is that there are still going to be trolls. There's still going to be tough times. There's still going to be adversity. And because I didn't have that in my mind, when trials did come my way, I was really confused. I was like, why is this happening? What's going on? You know, I wish that I had seen that scripture back then, um, you know, because, because I would have been prepared. I would have been prepared for those trials. And the thing is, like, trials are going to come our way. But the fact is, it says, like, be of good heart. I am with you. I have overcome the world. It's like Jesus doesn't um, take away the storm, but he's with us in the storm, we need to be aware that trials are going to come our way. The next thing is we need to have real faith instead of fake faith. You know, there's a difference between real faith and fake faith. You know, fake faith lives in denial. Fake faith denies the real circumstances that are happening in the world. Fake faith lives in like a, a fantasy land and paints this picture that is completely ridiculous. And fake faith is not helpful to you. It's not helpful to the people around you. It's not helpful for your circumstance. We need real faith instead of fake faith. And when I thought about this idea of fake faith and real faith, I thought about the story of a man called Jim Stockdale. Actually, he was an admiral in the U.S. Army, Admiral Jim Stockdale. And, and from his story, they derived this thing called the Stockdale Paradox. And, and, and this man's story was he was in the Vietnam War, the U.S. Vietnam War, and he was captured as a prisoner of war. And he was the highest ranked official in the U.S. Army who was captured, who was in that prisoner of war camp. And they, they believed that he was there for eight years, and that in that period of eight years, he was tortured 20 times that they had pretty much no prisoner rights, the, the conditions were horrendous, and they never knew if they were going to get out of there alive. But this man made it out, and, and the, the author of the book I read was interviewing this man, Jim Stockdale, and he said um, he was just curious like about what had happened. And, and this guy, Jim Stockdale, he said, you know what? I always had a deep-rooted belief that one day I would get out. I always knew that one day I'd get out. And not only that, I had this belief that, one, that, that I would actually be happy about what happened to me in there because of what it would produce in me. And this guy was like taken back and he was like, wow, that's amazing. And he said, can I ask you a question? Who didn't get out? And, uh, and this guy, Jim, said this. He said, that's easy. He said, it was the optimists. And uh, he, he was kind of dumbfounded. He said, explain. And he said, it was the optimist that had this false sense of hope that would say, we're going to be out by Christmas and Christmas would come, and they wouldn't get out, and they'd be disappointed, and then they'd say, we're going to get out by Easter, and then Easter would come, and they wouldn't get out, and they were disappointed. They had this flaky, unrealistic belief that led to a crippling disappointment, and when I, I thought about the difference between this man Jim and the, the optimists, he had real faith, and they had fake faith. He had a faith that was like, you know what? This is really hard. I don't know when I'm going to get out. It could be years, but I know that one day I will get out. And I know that everything that I learn in here is going to be used for good. And I know one day I'm going to speak into people's lives about what's happening to me, and I will get out. Whereas the other people had this like false sense of hope that didn't embrace the real circumstances around them. You know, and I think like in our Christian, in our Christian journey, we, we need to have that, we need to have a depth in faith where it's like, man, hard times are going to come my way, but I know that Jesus is with me in them, that I am going to learn from this situation, that I am going to get through that, that he's going to use this for good, but we, we need to have that depth of faith. We need real faith instead of fake faith. 
The third thing we need to do is we need to embrace the trials that we are in. This is what it says in James 1-2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know, God uses the troubles in our lives to upgrade our character. God uses the troubles in our lives to upgrade us. God uses trials in our lives to, to, to refine us. God is more concerned about the finished product than, and he's more concerned about our eternal um, destination than our temporary comfort. And like when we're in those trials, like we've got a choice. We've, we've got a choice to either consider them great joy and be like, you know what? I know God is like producing something in me through this trial. I know that I'm going to come out the other side and I'm going to have something that I didn't have before. I know that I'm going to get a depth of wisdom through this trial. I know that my character is developing. I know that this is producing in me a faithfulness. I thank you, God, for this trial. Thank you that you are going to do awesome things for me. You're going to work this together for good. I will see my promise or we can complain and get dejected and be frustrated at the circumstance and ask God to remove it. But he's told us, consider it great joy. Consider it great joy. You know, and, and I know in my life, pretty much every significant thing that I've learned in my life has come through a trial. Pretty much anything of worth in my life has come through uh, having to endure something. And so, like, we've, we've got a chance how we're going to embrace those situations. We can be thankful and we can shift our perspective and we can enjoy the trials or we can do it the other way and we all know what that feels like. And uh, as, I was, um, as I was reading, as I was like pondering this, I came across something on the internet that I loved. And uh, I'm going to read it to you. This is what it said. I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity, and God gave me brawn and brains to work. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience, and God placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help. I asked for favor, favors, and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted, I received everything I needed. My prayers have all been answered. You know, isn't that so beautiful? And if I could just have the, the worship team up. We need to embrace the trials we're in. God's producing something in us. The final point is this. We need to fix our eyes. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. Say endurance. endurance. The race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor before God's throne. Think of all the hostility 
he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. You know, when times are tough, what are we fixing our eyes on? What are we fixing our eyes on? Are we fixing our eyes on Netflix? Are we fixing our eyes on Facebook? Are we fixing our eyes on social media? Are we, are we fixing our eyes on alcohol and, and numbing agents? Like, what are we fixing our eyes on? We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on hope itself. We need to fix our eyes on the one who gave everything for us. We need to fix our eyes on the one who endured all. We need to fix our eyes on the overcomer of the world. We need to fix our eyes on him because he is the author and the champion of our faith. You know, it said in that scripture that because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, Jesus looked beyond this life. Jesus looked at the other side. And by the way, that joy was me and you. That joy was every person that was going to be reconciled to God through him. It says that he looked beyond. And in our lives, we need to look beyond the now. We need to fix our eyes on the eternal. You know, it says in the Bible that we're citizens of heaven. And, and that is our destination. We need to fix our eyes because that anchors us. You know, it, makes, it doesn't make sense if we only had an 80-year life, why life would be so hard sometimes. But when we're living for eternity, we can embrace the trials. We need to fix our eyes on what's ahead. And finally, it said, think of all the hostility that Jesus endured, and then you won't give up. Think of all the hostility he endured. You know, he was beaten. He was whipped. He was broken. He was betrayed. He was rejected. He was mocked. He was misunderstood. He, was, he, he endured so much. And you know what the beautiful thing is? If you've put your faith in him, he's inside of you. The endurer is in you. The overcomer is in you. You have an overcoming spirit in you, that you have Jesus in you. And what he endured, you can endure because he is in you. You know, it says that you can do all things, that I can do all things through Jesus in me. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and we need to remember that he is in us. He is in us. And if we can all stand to our feet. So, um, you know, this, this year, church, I, I honestly, I really don't know what the year's going to hold. We could have, we could have lockdowns. It, it could get worse than it's already been. I don't know what's, what, we get, what it's going to hold, but I know that with Jesus, we can advance. I know that with Jesus, we have every answer. I know that he will use every circumstance for good if we let him. So this year, let's endure well. Let's be people marked by this quality of endurance. Let's be people that remain faithful. Let's be people that remain thankful. Let's be people that keep our eyes fixed and keep running our race with joy. Let's be people that fix our eyes on the, the eternal hope, on the eternal glory, on the eternal promise, the joy laid before us. You know, let's know that trials are going to come, that trials are going to come, but the overcomer is with us. Let's, let's approach those with a depth in faith, with a real faith, not a fake faith. You know, let's embrace the trials that we're in and let that have its perfect work in us. You know, and finally, let's keep our eyes fixed. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, and, and maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you did one day, but, but that was long ago. I just want to let you know that he loves you so much, that God loves you so much 
that he's not concerned about anything that's happening in your life, that he's not concerned about where you're at, that he's not aloof, that he's not afar, he doesn't shout his love from heaven, but he shows his love on earth, and that Jesus died for you personally. Jesus saw you. He loved you. He cares about you. He dreamed of you. You know, and the message of Jesus is this, that even though you would turn from him, that he would chase after you. He would pursue you, that he would live a perfect life on earth, and he would, he would die a horrible death on a cross so that everything, anything that would ever get in the way from you and God would be taken care of. And you don't need to try harder. You don't need to strive more. You just need to receive that grace that free gift of what Jesus has done for you. So if you're here today and you'd like, to, you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus, you'd like to put your faith in Him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. I'm going to ask you to be really bold and, and raise your hand. Um, and if we could just bow our heads out of respect for the people around us. Um, what you're saying in, in making this decision is you're saying, um, you're just acknowledging that you need Him. We all do. None of us are perfect. None of us get it right. Everyone carries this brokenness. And it's just saying, yep, I need Jesus in my life. The second thing is this, is it's, it's receiving His grace. It's just saying, thank you, Lord. I receive what you've done for me. And the final thing is this, it's turning your life towards Him and it's following Him with your whole heart the best you can. And so if you're here today and you want to make that decision, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. Is there anyone else here this morning? Mm. Awesome. Let's pray together as a, as a family. Jesus, thank you so much for choosing me, for loving me, for giving yourself for me. Today, Lord, I choose you. I give my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen.